Welcome to Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Mine's Aaron Dugan. You can follow me on Twitter at the Aaron Dugan or Instagram Aaron underscore Dugan. I am Stephen Godfrey. You can find me at 38 Godfrey on Instagram and Twitter. Stephen, you look tired. I am tired. <laughs> we got a big show playing today. Of course, we will play another edition of Can We Make Stephen Godfrey Uncomfortable? What is going to happen with the Florida Gators? We will do that, of course, coming up in a few minutes. Uh, the goal of replicating Georgia's move when they fired Mark Richt and brought in Kirby Smart, uh, of course, is what they're trying. That seems impossible, but we'll talk about it as Dan Mullen is out in Florida. What is going on with Brian Harson? They lose to South Carolina. Is he vaccinated? We'll get into that a little bit today uh, as well. And evaluating some of these coaches, uh, we've been pretty critical of Shane Beamer. Very praise. We've we've heaped a lot of praise on Josh Heupel. Well, they have the same record right now. Uh, Alabama's Bryce Young. I actually have a probably a very unpopular take about Alabama's Bryce Young. Uh, we are also going to try to decide which defensive player in the SEC deserves Heisman consideration, and of course, some non-playoff stories that we love in the SEC. Which is, um, you know, I know that's a a thing that that you feel very passionately about, Stephen. Like the reason we love college football is a bunch of people turning around to wave to kids in Iowa. That's what we love about college football, not just the playoff. And so we want to focus on some of those stories today, as well as, of course, looking ahead to the weekend preview. But before we do that, Aaron Dugan, Fringe Element, is brought to you by Jaspers. It's better than eating with your (laughs) in-laws. Okay. It's factually true. Most Thanksgiving coming up. People are having holiday anxiety. Yeah. You don't have to go to your own Thanksgiving. Go to Jasper's. I would say around Friday or Saturday this weekend, you're probably going to need to find some time to dip out of the house for a few hours. And there's no better place to do that than where you can park your car for free. You're going to get fed really good food and you'll be able to watch a a sporting event, whatever it is that you want to partake in over the weekend. I love my in-laws. So I have no problem eating. With I don't them. have any in-laws, so I'm all set. And Stephen's in-laws are extraordinary cooks because they're from Louisiana, right? They have to be good. They are. Yes. Yes. So I can't do an acrostic poem every week, guys. No, you're good. Uh, do they Thank do, uh, Godfrey, do they do like turducken and stuff? Like, are they in that ballpark or like, what's the traditional main meat of a Louisiana Cajun Thanksgiving? Frog. Um, no, they, they, it's just, it's almost everyone fries their turkey. Okay. I mean, like almost everyone. Now, after that, it's more the sides when you get past the turkey that probably distinguishes it from like other southern states. So it's like Hop, it's like rice dressing yeah. is like a thing. Hop and John. Um, and, and honestly, like north and south and west Louisiana, it's all it gets very specific. But you definitely okay. know when you're there. It's not so much the turkey because like you can fry a turkey in Tennessee or, you know, Kentucky oh, sure. or Florida. But like it's definitely the now. Actually, let me stop. I have had turkey where the stuffing was like, there was like shrimp in the stuffing. Now we're talking. Okay. Yeah, now we're talking. Yeah. I was not going to do any Thanksgiving yeah. talk on this week's show because I feel like that's sort of silly. But my mother's stuffing is, and Aaron, you and I talked about this last week. Like my mother's stuffing is my favorite part of the holiday. It's my favorite day of the year. I, I don't, there's no pressure to give gifts or get gifts. I think it's the, it's, there's the, the egg bowl, there's food, there's football and family. It's like my favorite thing in the world. But you, ha- you can't call it stuffing unless it's actually in the bird. And cooked in yeah. the bird, and to have shrimp in the stuffing because, like, we put sausage in the stuffing, but shrimp in the stuffing sounds pretty awesome. If you do, well, yeah, and don't ask me like how or how it's done or anything like that. <laughs> um, it's the most unique thing. The only one that I can think is as unique in terms of like just the continental United States is if you ever do a northeastern Italian Thanksgiving, like an Italian Catholic family in the north. I did it. Yeah, 
when I was a teenager with some, with some family friends of ours that are just as Italian Catholic as they got. And they, that's a very distinct menu too. Otherwise, like I think pretty much everyone in America can name like the same five or yeah, six America. things that everyone eats. So America, yeah. baby, America. Uh, all right. The things that bring us together are Thanksgiving menu items and our disdain for Dan Mullen. Uh, Scott Strickland fires their love him or hate him. It's still an obsession. <laughs> the mm. Florida Gators coach. Um, I, I, I do think that he's a pretty solid offensive mind. He's going to land on his feet. I'm not worried about Dan Mullen, but there was sort of a, you know, an amalgamation of all the things that we've talked about for weeks now on the show have come to fruition. Scott Strickland makes the move. I, I, I sort of want to move right to how possible is it that Florida is going to replicate or reproduce what Georgia did? Because when they fired Mark Rick, they were firing a guy who won nine or 10 games a year, recruited top 12 classes, and they were aiming for a very small bullseye. And they somehow managed to hit that bullseye because they had a guy who'd been sitting in Alabama who was an, who was an alumni of the school, learning under Nick Saban, just waiting to take over. That is a very rare set of circumstances. How likely is it that Florida can replicate that? Well, more importantly than, than the, the Nick Saban training, I think, is the fact that he was the like son of a Georgia high school football coach who was at a school in Alabama, not even, again, not even specific to Saban, was at a school that was just raiding the city of Atlanta for, for high-end five-star football talent. So not only did he have the best training in the world in terms of like a, an apprenticeship, he also was essentially the best recruiter in the country as a Broyles Award winner when he went to Georgia, a state that is filled with talent. You can't replicate what they did. There, there is no, there is no Kirby Smart analog out there for the University of Florida or anyone else. I agree. I think it's going to be extremely, extremely difficult for all the reasons you just named. And uh, again, in addition to all of those things. There's always a little bit of luck sprinkled in there, but I don't think any of us would claim that. Um, I mean, the cards are just finally falling where Kirby Smart prepared them to fall. And then there's there's always a little bit of luck in terms of like which recruits end up falling your way. But it's I mean, we can't we can't really deny what he's been able to do there. Um, and f- the geographical tie that he has to the school is going to make it really hard to to find another one like him. Yeah. So. Uh- so we've just all acknowledged, which I tried to tell you know everybody before they fired Dan Mullen, that what you're trying to do is extraordinarily difficult. Well, so, you can still do much better than Dan Mullen. I agree. So, that, so, that's true. And, okay. and the value above replacement will be immediate and noticeable. Okay. So get, without doing your, your journalistic, you know, who you've talked to sources hat guy, yeah. just opinion wise, who is clearly definitively capable of recruiting at the Georgia, Alabama, A&M level in the state of Florida, while also coaching at the Dan Mullen offensive schematic level, the bar on like not sticking your foot in your mouth is pretty low. I, I get most human beings can clear that bar, mm-hmm. but w- who is that person? Like you mentioned Billy Napier and if they want Billy Napier, they probably can go get Billy Napier, but like opinion wise, why is Billy Napier already definitively better than Dan Mullen? He's going to be a better recruiter. I mean, there's a talent issue first and foremost. And if you look at the University of Georgia on their way to what we assume to be a national title run, no one's talking about Kirby in terms of schematics. This is not about a schematic advantage. I think that's being overplayed now in college football because what we're seeing at the height of this sport are jobs where success is determined by how well you delegate and organize, not about having a specialty, not about a system, not about an offensive or defensive scheme. 
And that was really where Mullen was going to hang his hat and did hang his hat. He was going to turn the two to a three, the three to a four. But the problem was in recruiting at the University of Florida, that's not going to work. You have to you have to recruit five stars and get them ready for the NFL. That was something he never did. And he did think he could out scheme situations. He all look, I made a documentary five years ago about how he spent most of his time at Mississippi State turning people into the NCAA rather than recruiting above or below board like everybody else. I'm not saying he had to act like Hugh Freeze, but it would have helped if he would have acted like, in this case, Kirby Smart. He, he's, he was never a good recruiter. That's what killed him. And there are several names, easy names, that anybody can pull out of a hat right now that are on day one going to fortify the roster. I would point out again, names like Kyle Trask or Kyle Pitts or pretty much anyone who's been drafted in the last two years, those were Jim McElwain recruits. Okay. I, I think the horse is dead. Who, who are like, who are those names? Who I mean, are the, who don't are the you names? have to let Lane Kiffin say no? Lane, they will not. I, I, they won't even try? Um, the University of Florida is not particularly comfortable with Lane Kiffin, and I think there is a misnomer with Lane Kiffin and the rest of top-tier job openings. Well, Bob Stoops. That's a name. Bob's, that I, so I love this, that name, but yeah. So here's the, so? Thing, here's the thing about Bob Stoops. Bob Stoops was was on top of and it, the game and in control of one of the best programs in college football when he abruptly retired at the middle of the summer. He's not coming back. The only situation I could ever see that would be far fetched enough is you know he and his brother and his family brothers have a very sentimental attachment to the University of Iowa. The idea of what it takes to win at a place like Florida and all the things that I just got done talking about for for Bob Stoops, who retired at a particular age for a reason, it's because his father dropped dead on a sideline coaching a high school game. He and his family are aware of the fact that coaches coach themselves to death. He's talked about this. It was in his book. Right. Going to the University of Florida and competing against Kirby Smart and and Nick and everybody else. No, I know he was a defensive coordinator there under Spurrier. He would be a phenomenal hire. But he's going to be the first person to tell you that, look, there's there's a certain amount of fight in the dog and it's just not there. Yeah, you, you, everyone. Everyone has a piss and vinegar meter and it drains over time as life goes as on. it should or you as, die. As, right. Right. As yeah. It should. Um, so, again, we're right back to all right, outside of of all the group of five guys. I, I think there's only Billy Napier. Like I don't J, Jamie Chadwell. God bless no, you. Not good, at Florida, good, no. good, good luck with that. No. I don't think there's another name outside of Billy Napier that really qualifies for the job. Now, so are we talking power five names? I think the problem is this, is there is no immediate name at Florida. Mm. You know, when LSU went open, the the next second was a conversation about Jimbo Fisher. You know, when usually in openings in the past for major jobs, it's actually pretty easy to pencil in who's going to get it, if you think about it. We don't really have a sweepstakes that often for major, major jobs in college football. When this job came open, Dan Mullen was on the short was the first name on a short list, and everyone knew they knew it was in Starkville immediately. That deal was basically done before the Egg Bowl was played that year. It was Chip Kelly or Dan Mullen, right? And, and so it. the problem is right now there is not an immediate list of names, There's, and the, or, nor is there an immediate name that people are going. That's going to be the the answer for Florida. That's the interesting part of the situation. Yeah. Florida made a decision less to move on to someone else as they did to move on from the coach that they had. And that's not uncharted territory, but it's not typically what we see. Well, I, no. Aaron, I was going to ask you, like how, you normally should do things with a plan and it feels like Florida is doing something without a plan. 
I don't know that that's necessarily true for the sole fact that the recruiting looks awful. So no matter who you get right now, you're not going to be what you want to be next year. I don't think it matters who in the country that you get, but behind the scenes, or if you do what we do, maybe not as much behind the scenes, you're going to quickly see some kind of jump, hopefully in recruiting. Cause right now, I mean, you got to go up if you're Florida and you should, it shouldn't be this hard with the amount of talent that's not only in the Southeast, but it's coming from that state. So I don't think it's going to be, I don't think for Florida fans or it's going to be a hell of a lot different in terms of the record next year, but you got to at least just know that you're going to lose trying to build, trying to build things back I mean, they, from a recruiting was, perspective. That was a funny conversation to have on Saturday night because you know, the, the two point conversion happens. And then I think pretty much everyone in the nation flips over to Oregon and Utah and Utah is on their, they're, they're, they're playing a one and one next year. And that conversation started in my messages and DMS and everything about like, what a contrast of not having talent and creating a physical identity and having talent and just amongst coaches, they talk about like, and Aaron has talked about this before being on sidelines and noticing effort and body language and culture and intangible things that don't show up as in, in statistics. One of the big knocks against Mullen was that there was just very little effort on film opposing coaches saw this. They, they weren't putting out good tape and they, they were just very lackluster. And so uh, I would find someone, I mean, I'm not, be, I'm going to be very careful what I say here because I'm just trying to create an, an analogy. There was a reason Sam Pittman worked so quickly and it wasn't because he had funny quotes or that he's a likable guy is that he went straight to a fundamental issue that was at the heart of the roster. I'm not saying that Dan Mullen and Chad Morris are the same. I'm not saying Florida and Arkansas are the same, but again, we're going to keep talking about Sam Pittman for the next two or three years, regardless of how Arkansas finishes because it was the, it was the off-speed pitch of coaching hires at an SEC program where you went with someone who was so wildly just not going to win a press conference, a hiring press. No one's going to get excited when they find out you hired George's O-line coach, a career assistant. And yet, that was exactly the mentality that needed to be applied. The problem is Florida's a Tiffany program, and you have to have some level of, of sizzle or excitement. I think in this case, it, uh, this is a career recruiter move. You have to find someone who understands the personnel before anything else. You're rolling your eyes. Why? I, I don't disagree with anything you guys are saying. You still in love with Dan Mullen? Well, I have to apologize to Florida. He hasn't for... deleted his number. We'll no, say that. I, I, th I think Dan Mullen is a brilliant offensive coach. I think he's also awful at all the other things. I think he's but... going to do really good with Trevor Lawrence next year. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. But I, I, I agree with every bullet point of information we're talking about. And some of this applies to the LSU job as well um, for different reasons. But like, I just, I'm, I'm looking around. And unless you've got the cachet to go lure someone like Mario Cristobal or Lincoln Riley or Brian Kelly, somebody established who already knows all this stuff, I, I, I don't know who that person is. Now, I do like Billy Napier as a hire in, in my opinion. My opinion is I think Billy Napier checks every box for a G5 name who's ready to take a leap. Is he ready for Florida? Is he ready for LSU and what those jobs entail? That, that's where I, that's where it starts to lose me. Matt Campbell, Matt Campbell is an excellent football coach, but you cannot give press conferences like he gave at Iowa State where no one noticed at all in a very Butch Jones like fashion 
No one noticed that, that, that he said a bunch of weird things at Iowa State after they lose. And I don't think you can give that press conference at Florida or LSU. I don't personally think Matt Campbell is an SEC head coach. I, that's what I'm. That's what I'm getting at. So, so who's the name? Again, how, how much can I'm you tell you right here? now? Does the much- glitz and glamour really even matter? Because it's not working for you right now. So, shouldn't you just do as Scott Strickland do? What you think is the smartest thing? Which to me, if you just get someone back in that can recruit quarterbacks as for a school that like Florida, who's so used to having that like standout branded quarterback, like, is there no one that can just do that? I mean, there's not going to be a lot of glitz and glam to this, no matter which way you look at it. Right. Everyone you just named, isn't that we named is just there is a potential to hire a superstar, but I don't see that happening here. So Steven, this is where I think you're almost a victim of your own bar of accomplishment expectations you know, like LSU, Florida, USC have a certain level of expectation. And sometimes you're a victim of that where you cannot be creative and innovative with who you go hire. Jeff Halfley at Boston College is a really good football coach. I, I would he, he's a guy that I would 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 tab as a rising name that's going to take over a bigger program at some point soon and probably do good things. But mm-hmm. that's not what Florida or LSU does. They, no, they don't go, they don't go out and hire that guy. This is an SEC problem. The SEC has done this to itself because they've been head and shoulders uh, better than everyone else in the personnel department and recruiting. Yes. I can name you a ton of great coaches right now who know ball. That's not the problem. Dan Mullen is not, didn't get fired because he forgot ball. Okay. He's still just as smart as he ever was. The problem is the Southeastern conference breeds this particular kind of recruiting based coach and there's not a lot of them going around and so what they do is they start to get incestuous and rating staffs this is the mentality that fed the Saban tree for the better part of a decade it's why Jim McElwain was a head coach at Florida and should not have been it's why Derek Dooley was a head coach and should not have been I can do this literally for like 10 more names but I'll stop all right so you're in charge at Florida you are the gangster who's your first who your three phone calls (sighs) <sighs> that fit that what we're talking about because we got to move on but just go ahead make a lot of people say no so my, my phone calls are going to be the people who i don't know it would would take the job so it's like a mario cristobal or a mel tucker and mel tucker as we record this is not an, they have not announced the extension has been signed how fast do you think he ran i think it was in the first quarter i saw him disappear from the sidelines to go talk to his agent i go sign that contract <laughs> I, I promise y'all it, i know i know as bad as that game was like you, you think it works that way? It does. I oh, promise. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. Like he's, especially with the mess at LSU. Like this, this whole Jimbo or Bust thing. We're about to see what Bust looks like. So, and and shout out regardless to Mel Tucker because if the worst case scenario is you staying at Michigan State and making just a metric shit ton of money, like <laughs> congrats, dude. I think he would be great at Florida. All right. I think he would be a good foil for the people that they need to foil. That's that. That's true. I do like Napier a lot, though. I want Napier. That's who, I, that's who I want there. I think if I had to put money on it right now, I think it would be Napier. Fringe Element is brought to you by... Jaspers. It melts in your hands and not in your gloves. That's not the phrase. <laughs> I don't think What's the phrase? It melts in your mouth, melts not in, in your, your hands. mouth, not in your hands. Well, it's cold. You should be wearing. It's freezing here. Gloves is melts in your hands, not in your mittens. <laughs> Jasper's your culinary oasis from the in-laws. Breakfast of champions. I thought that was good. You just like 
ignore. I breezed it. over it. I know. I ah, I that's what I said. The very first dad, Braden. Oh, really? The, the culinary oasis from your in-laws? You said okay, that? Okay, first of all, you stole oasis from me and culinary from me because those are words that I've used in two prior ads. And I talked about wait, the wait, in-laws wait. in the first ad. Oh, okay. So do you think you have some like moratorium on the word culinary? You used in-laws. You don't even have any. I I used that in the first (laughs) ad. I'm trying to be relatable. (laughs) Is it working? I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't think so. Go to Jasper's. I just think of like, I don't don't want to say like getaway because that seems like a rude thing to say about your in-laws. Okay, I'm sorry. Are you all of a sudden concerned about being rude? This is a stark change of pace. Oh, I'm a nice person. I know, but you don't really worry about offending people that no, much. No, I don't. <laughs> but that's, the that's point. because other people are big, big boys and big girls, and they've got adult pants on and they can handle a little bit of truth talk. I feel like if you listen to the show, you probably hear things you don't want to hear, but that's the Truly way the not. world works, Aaron. Um, I feel like I'm talking to my daughters. Guys, the world's not fair. Get over it. Move on. Adjust. Be an adult. Go to Jasper's. Yeah. Go to J- be an adult. Go to Jasper's. No, Life's not fair. Go to Jasper's. You could be sick of your family or and or leftovers by the time Saturday football rolls around, which I believe that um, it would be a good idea to pick up Jasper's to switch it up a little bit. Or if you just got to get out of the house, like um, lie about running an errand and go to Jasper's. Oh, the uh, I've got to run out. And then you pop into Jasper's for like a happy hour beer, watch a little Preds, watch a little football. Like, come on. And hey, there's going to be so check- many people buzzing around. Hopefully no one notices you're gone. I, I, and, and just like, and when you come back with nothing, completely empty handed. And people are like, well, oh, where were you? And you're just like, oh, I was out looking for that one thing and they, at the store and they just didn't have it. And it was a mad rush. And I just, I'm so sorry. Traffic was terrible. Right. Are we, are we now creating ways for people to lie to their family? <laughs> yeah. N- yeah. And I'm going to take it a step further and say, go ahead, swing by Home Depot now. Oh, I don't know if Home Depot is open on Thanksgiving. No, it's not Thanksgiving. It'll be Saturday after. Go by Home Depot, grab a couple bags that you can leave with them, and go to Jasper's, drink a beer or two, get food to go, put it in the Home Depot bag. So when you get home, you lie and tell everyone you're fixing something outside, but you're not. You just picked up a Home Depot bag prematurely, premeditated Home Depot bag pickup. There, I have so many problems with this story. Um, Why? Because it came off the tongue too easily for me? No, just first of all, like that's a lot of effort to just grab a a, a plastic bag. Okay, well, and get a Walgreens bag. Um, I can't spoon feed you everything. That's not bad. But also you said like have a couple beers and then drive on home. <laughs> I caught myself right after that. <laughs> it was I that meant, too. I meant a beer yeah, yeah, with a beer. someone driving you. Over, over a, a beer over an hour, you're totally fine. If you have a kid between 16 and 21, you're set. They probably want to leave the house anyway. There you go. And they can't drink. So if you've got a five-year, 15 even. So make them drive you. Drink responsibly. Although I don't think that's what they mean. When they say drink responsibly, I don't think they mean like have too many and then have your 17-year-old drive you home. I don't. Well, you should tell my dad that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not surprised by that at all. He doesn't really drink that much, but Go when he did, he did not drink and drive. He made me drive. Jasper's. Go to Jasper's. Go to Jasper's. <laughs> where they do not condone teenagers Sorry, Dad. their drunk parents' home. They do not condone lying to your in-laws to get out of things. They do not condone any of that behavior. What they condone is free parking, 
great food and a great place to watch the game. If and when perhaps you might need to get some fresh air this weekend. That is what they condone. They do. And I will say, just because my dad's probably listening to this in his defense, he did not make me drive home from Jasper's. He made me drive home from the Memphis bowl game in St. Louis in the snow. Like all the way to Memphis? Yes. From St. Louis? Correct. Hmm. St. Louis? Papa Dukes. Papa Dukes. Come on, buddy. But then you're 16, you wanted to drive. It was partly my fault. Anyways, it was further than Jasper's. Have a great night. And you're very convincing. Go to Jasper's. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Um, all right. Um, let's uh, let, let's move on real quickly here. And um, Harson, I, I, Harson's interesting to me. They, they lose a game they should never lose, but they don't have their starting quarterback to South Carolina, and they've got the Iron Bowl coming up. We've got the the vaccine mandate. I, I want to float because Aaron, you floated this before that he's he is he think there's a chance he's vaccinated, and he's just sort of like doing this because he he's well. He, that was a while ago. Well, I I think the more I mean, the more and more this plays out, the more and more I think it's there's some validity to it unless I'm totally wrong, Steven. Um, about him being vaccinated or yes, we don't know for sure. No, um, I'm just, I'm, and uh, I would say like within, we, we, we had a little micro news cycle at some point like this morning where he's being associated with Washington. And if he was associated with Washington, it's because of the relationship that he has with former coach Chris Peterson, obviously he succeeded him at Boise and then Pete was on Washington. That was, that made the rounds enough for Alabama media to acknowledge it today. Just want to gently point out that all state employees in Washington have to be vaccinated. That's why Nick Rolovich is no longer there. So, well, we, um, we alluded to that two weeks ago on the show. I said, he's a good candidate for the Washington job. If, if not for the vaccination mandate. Yeah. What, what are the chances he's vaccinated and he's just trying to keep it. He's just doing this thing for, that would be show. really stupid. That would that would be dumber than not getting vaccinated. Why wouldn't you okay. just like okay. why why wouldn't you just do it and move on? Why would you make a news cycle out of it? Because <laughs> he's already afraid he, of the good old boys in Alabama that are going to judge him for getting it, or Idaho. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't understand. I don't know because otherwise, then he's then he's fired. The worst. Reduce 8th. it to these terms. The worst thing you can do is draw attention to it, which he already has done. The best thing you can do is get it out of the news cycle as fast as humanly possible. Which would he take wasn't trying the... to draw attention to it at the beginning, was he? He didn't get the vaccine. Well, we we don't know that. We don't. Yeah, we don't know. But but this, to your point, this Aaron, whole uh, it's highly, highly, highly unlikely that he's been vaccinated this whole time, and we just made this up to be mean to Auburn's head coach. Well, no, no, he's he 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 made it happen by not just saying the thing. Like he, he made it a story and he could end it as in two ways. He could end it by going to a microphone and saying, I've been vaccinated. I'll be the head coach at Auburn. Or he can go to the podium and say, I've taken my vaccine shot. <laughs> the thing, if I think, if he I thought that it, it was way. just about, if I thought that it was just about privacy and about being able to make decisions for you or your family or whatever, that it should be private. I think he would have said that if there was a larger message there, Maybe he would say, hey, I actually do think that coaches should be able to do some things that aren't in the limelight. And here's why I'm not telling you if I got vaccinated or not. But he didn't make it any bigger than that, which that's what's right. causing me to still have mixed feelings. But the not the being vaccinated this whole time thing did cross my mind a while ago. I don't know how I feel about it now. Sounds like Steven's not, but you're not buying it. 
it would make your life harder. Why? Why do all this? I, I don't. Why does anybody do anything, man? Like, <laughs> there's a lot of reasons why people do. Why did Dan Mullen say any of the things he said in the last two years? Um, all right. How about Harson as a first year head coach? Because now you've got Josh Heupel. Now you've got Shane Beamer. Do we owe Shane yeah. Beamer an apology, by the way? Probably. No. Ooh. I think so. Right place, right time. I still think that the, the advantage that Shane Beamer has, I was thinking about this earlier today, which or the opposition that he has to someone like Dan Mullen, not nearly as much experience, obviously hadn't even called a play in a collegiate game, but when you haven't done that and you clearly don't have that experience, you have to be humble. You have to know how much you have to lean on every other position that's around you, how, how good of decisions you have to make in terms of your coordinators and all the rest of your staff. And you have to be willing to say when you need help, which is the honestly Dan Mullen's downfall. He's lost lots of staff as it, because of it, Godfrey, like you've talked about yeah. and people don't want to play. People don't want to play for him as, players aren't rallied around him his staff's leaving like brian johnson losing that quarterback coach to the eagles like that shouldn't have happened people don't want to like coach with him then you yeah. look at someone like shane beamer who is probably inevitably making sure that he has all of the best people around him and then he's keeping them happy because he needs them and he has to admit that yeah no i think that's a very good point i also think that the road ahead is still so brutal for south carolina that these are if nothing they're nothing if not opportunistic wins and i don't know if they're anything more than that honestly how about this i can make the case that that's true what you're saying steven that this was just sort of a fluky you know six win season whatever they get beat by clemson there was a line on the broadcast and i can't remember who said it i think it was a color analyst and i and i apologize for not remembering the name uh, of the of who was doing that game but he said something to the effect, paraphrasing here, about relationship-driven coaching. And we've just spent a few minutes, 10 minutes, talking about how recruiting is all that matters in the SEC, and it's done this to itself. And we know you have to have players to, and delegation and CEO, you know, all this stuff. And Josh Heupel is sort of the embodiment also of relationship-forward coaching. He's got a little offensive scheme expertise as well, but like he, he's – Clearly what he's doing is based on relationships. It's about people. It's about the, the people inside the building. And unless I guess you're Nick Saban or I don't know, maybe Kirby, I, I think there's a, a broader swing towards all of this. And mm -hmm. it is going to, it is, I think that is spot on. I don't know if that applies to Shane Beamer's future or Eli Drinkwitz's future or Brian Harson's future or Josh Heupel's future. I don't know. But Sam it looks Pittman. like that right now. But, yeah, I yeah. was about to name another one. Like, look at the look at the the teams that are kind of on the upswing and what they all have in common. Sam Pittman. I mean, I, obviously, I, I we don't know. Pat, I talked to Pat Ryan, who's the play by play voice for the Tennessee Volunteers. Played football in the NFL forever. Was a head was a was a quarterback forever, and he said like, there are no more head coaches like the Junction Boys. Like that shit's gone. It's gone. It, it's it's it it has changed. You have to walk the balance between being like nice to your students and your athletes and then getting them to still execute. Mm -hmm. And that is relationship-driven yes. coaching. And that is a different generational thing than what we all grew up with, where we just got screamed at on the on the practice field. Yes, yep. I think that's accurate. You, you, the, that generation was sort of two generations ago, if you're talking about like the Junction Boys, where it was almost militaristic. Um, yeah. 
I think Shane, look, Shane's personality type has shown through in these wins. And I think that's good for recruiting and it's good for the brand that they're building. But I, I am yet to be moved that Shane Beamer is going to do what South Carolina hopes he can. And that's not really a knock on Shane Beamer. I just, it's not that I have a, a low opinion of the South Carolina job. It just feels impossible. It just feels impossible. It also feels like you're saying the exact same thing I was saying last week about Tennessee. And I don't mean that to be like, gotcha. I mean that no, like genuinely. I mean, like, It's not a knock on Josh Heupel that Tennessee's just not ever going to accomplish what they expect. You see well, what I'm saying? Like, the, the, the issue with Tennessee is, and the difference is that Tennessee's in such a transitive state, and we don't know what is going to happen in Tennessee in a lot of, in in a lot of regard. And so it's hard for us. Shane, Shane Beamer is in a similar situation, I guess, and that he's at a rock bottom type deal. I think the, the, the situation is a lot harder because what little more tradition, I mean, Tennessee has a national title, so I shouldn't say that much, a little more tradition, but Tennessee's brand is, is arguably a little wider and a little bigger. And they're, they have less immediate roadblocks in front of them that South Carolina does, but they have such uncertainty in their future. Part of my sort of like live for the moment joie de vivre thing with Tennessee is we just don't know all of the things that are going on off the field, what's going to happen. So really enjoy this week and the okay. next week. And, okay. you know, South Carolina, it just seems very hard to ignore the, the hill they have to climb. Okay. All right. I can get on board with that. Um, uh, let me make a, a quick, take here for Bryce Young that I think may be unpopular with anti, you know, other people outside of, of Alabama. I, people are, I think there's this sentiment with Alabama quarterbacks that we just go, Oh, it's Bama quarterback. You're playing on the best team for the best coach or the best players and blah, 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 blah. Oh, Bryce Young's really not, he hasn't been that impressive. There's, there's been a lot of like downplaying Bryce Young. I feel like in, in the national conversation. And I think you could actually argue watching that game on Saturday, that that quarterback is more important to that Bama team than any quarterback we've seen in quite some time at Alabama in that it's the worst offensive line and true running game that Alabama has had relative to Alabama standards in 10 years. Third and four is a Bryce young down for Alabama. Well, and defense too. And that is not exact to me. I think you look at 559 yards in a school record and you look at 40 touchdowns and three interceptions. And I think Bryce Young's actually not getting enough credit nationally. It's be a really sense? tough year for Alabama if they had a if they had a, even a Mac Jones or an AJ McCarron year. It would. Do, 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 does that make sense then? then yeah, I'm... no, I think it makes sense. I think people are going to be fatigued at the idea of another sort of MVP caliber performance coming from that program again, even though by the sort of letter of the law and the definition of what they're doing, it, it is probably more apt than just handing it to a wide receiver. Just in terms of what they've because where would they be without Bryce Young? That's the, the question. Yeah, I think and the, floor, it, the I mean, floor is lower. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, the fact that a bad year for Alabama is number two, uh, in the nation. <laughs> number two in the nation, losing something and then still being in the SEC championship is. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. standards are just so skewed. But mm-hmm. you, you might be looking at you know, what would feel like tragedy in Alabama's fans eyes without Bryce young, because if bad is not winning a national championship, then tragedy is maybe not making it to the sec championship. Yeah. Losing the division, which they would have done without Bryce young. In my opinion, I agree. I, he is the most valuable quarterback that they've had. And they've had 
unbelievably super superstars at quarterback. I just think that relative to the rest of the roster, Bryce Young is being asked to do more. I mean, you had he had five hundred and almost or sixty passing yards this game. Do yeah. you lose to Arkansas without him? Yes. Probably. Mm, probably. Yeah, probably. 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 You probably lose to LSU or Florida without him. Maybe two. Well, yeah, the circumstances of that LSU game, definitely. So I don't that know. I'm a, just that was I a just, ruddy affair. It, it's it's these weird, it's these weird sort of two different thought processes that are sort of banging heads against each other, which is oh, the Alabama quarterback does gets too much credit. We should knock him down a peg. Where I think that's actually the opposite this year. He should actually get a little bit more credit. But that's just my yeah. opinion. That there are we'll two- also just give throw Arkansas a bone too for being within with being within a touchdown of Alabama and Alabama's quarterback having you know, closer right, to 600 right. yards and passing yards and 500. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, right now I have two offensive players I'm considering for the Heisman trophy, two offensive players. I have three defensive players. I am four, actually four defensive players. I'm considering for the Heisman trophy. Would you guys like to try to convince me to vote for a defensive player? I mean, you know, my thoughts on the Heisman. Um, it's, I don't Jordan Davis is the only one I can care about. Why, why, why ahead of Nakobe Dean or Will Anderson? And that's just SEC players. I, well, I, I don't really know how to do this segment without being very mean about the Heisman. And I know that you care about the Heisman, so I'm trying to be nice. Um, well, this is where we're trying to solve the problem. Yeah, I think you should say what you want, but we're trying to solve the problem from the inside here. Years like this display why the Heisman is an extremely arbitrary exercise. And it's a, it's a, it's an award and a system that's never really explained itself or its parameters all that well, because it's left up to the subjectivity and regionalism of, of sports writers. So I think in most recent years, we've seen clouded, clouded races or non-obvious choices just become sort of a fine, find a skill position player on a good team moment. Maybe that's why they ran. The funny thing is they ran Davis twice on the goal line. Yeah, that, that got lost in the that got lost in the shuffle. No, it did That's, not. No, that I is mean, supposed to be. That is supposed to be well, like on Twitter and stuff. Everyone just saw the video, no, it, but like, but it did it did not get lost in the voters' minds though. It is supposed that. to be a, a not a trick play, but a, a, you it, it's it's sort of it, it's part of a very unique package of plays, right? And my favorite thing of last weekend was was them going, oh, he didn't get in. Okay, well, it's Charleston Southern. Just do it again. <laughs> do it again. He, we're we're going to get in the end zone. Do it again. So here, here are the names. Let me float, float them out for you real fast, and I'll let you know. Aiden Hutchinson, defensive end at Michigan. If they beat Ohio State, it's probably going to be because he has a huge game. And they will win the Big Ten and get to the playoff, probably because he is one of the best pure hand-in-the-dirt 4-3 defensive ends in the entire country. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson, would, he's also, I think, number two in the nation in sacks and has just had come up big in every single big game that Michigan's played in. Uh, will Anderson, I think, is the most outstanding football player in, in America. Um, I, he leads the league and he leads the country in sacks. The, the tackles for loss are, are just insane. Jordan Davis, I think is the most unstoppable force. I think Nicobe Dean makes Jordan Davis and vice versa. I think there's mm-hmm. too much talent around on Georgia to like pick one of them, which is a, which yeah. is going to hurt. Um, the only two offensive players I'm even thinking about are CJ Stroud and Bryce young. Um, otherwise I don't, there's not nobody else to consider. Like right now, I will Anderson would probably be my vote right now if i had to put one down and i'm not even allowed to say that out loud really so i mean he's 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 the freakiest best player i've ever seen. i wouldn't object to that honestly 
Like, yeah, give it to a defensive player. It would probably renew my faith in the process because I have basically no faith in the process. So if it went to a defensive player, um, I I would support that regardless, any of them. Okay. You're trying to keep faith in the system. I agree with Godfrey in the sense that if you're voting and you want there to remain an interest in this process, it would be a good year because there's not an undeniable offensive leader to go with the best defensive option if you're going to hand it to a defensive end at michigan you're going to need voting blocks from the (laughs) south Mm -hmm. like he's going to have to have a godlike day yes yeah yeah well beating ohio state would take a godlike performance from michigan right but i'm talking about like four four sacks strip sack recover fumble return touchdown put him in a tight end score like scores another one yeah put him on an sec team though 49 to nothing he, yeah. he has scored touchdown this year. So. I know. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> like it would take something just transcendent in the middle of a domination of, of Stroud, who has really, honestly, their offense has just, like, turned into a machine. So uh, all I'm doing, uh, Stephen, is just trying to restore faith in the Heisman and also give love to stories that aren't just national championship stories, right? They're not, mm-hmm. college, play- not college playoff stories. Like stories like K.J. Jefferson, Wandale Robinson, Tyler Beatty, there's okay. a lot of there's a lot of these guys in the SEC that aren't getting the love that the playoff people focused media want to talk about. I'm just we're just trying to do that on the show, right? Okay. Are there names like that? The rest are there other names you'd like to call out in the SEC that you think that that, that deserve this conversation that people should be saying this is a this. I mean, I think I think the SEC is filled with them. Arkansas, South Carolina, Shane Beamer, Missouri, Tennessee. Are you talking about for the Heisman? No, 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 no. Oh. The anti-playoff reason college football is great, why we love the sport narrative that you, you've you been on for most of your career. <laughs> um, I think you have – I think Arkansas is doing the best job of recognizing the joy that they have, like recognizing what they've accomplished in a short amount of time, and like they've done it in a fun, unique way. They really seem to be reveling in it. I think everyone else, like there's already an anxiety in Oxford about Lane Kiffin leaving. There's, you know, I think Kentucky kind of got out of, as we talked about, kind of got over their skis a little bit and thought they were going to have a chance in the East. Like part of the celebration, it requires, I think the parties involved and like the fan bases to say, this is good on its merits. It does not have to measure into the larger picture. And so to that end, I think Arkansas has probably done the best job of that. Yeah, I would yeah. put ten, I would put Tennessee in that group too. I think the fans have just sort of enjoyed it. I, yeah, I get. I yeah, I mean, with, you're not wrong. I think the fans have enjoyed it. At Tennessee, for some reason, that feels much harder to do. But maybe that's because I'm closer geographically and I see it, and I have family and friends that went there, so I know how hard it is for you guys or the the um, all encompassing we to enjoy things like that. Arkansas. I do feel like for some reason has such a security with Sam Pittman, just like Godfrey just said that he's already said, I want to be here. This is it. I'm going to, I'm going to be here for the rest of my life. Like let's do it. And things are look good. So what a security they probably have in that Josh Heupel's new. I don't think Tennessee's scared of Josh Heupel leaving because of what a jump this job was, but it is for some reason, the comfort factor seems higher in Fayetteville to me. Now, in, enjoying the moment is not something that the SEC writ large does well. It's no. it's, it's just not in general. So I think that, that's why it's good to point that out when we can. I think a lot of other conferences and teams do. 
I think the Iowa States and Wisconsin's and Oregon States of the world, I think they do a very good job of like, oh, this has been an awesome year. We had a lot of fun. I think mm-hmm. the SEC needs to do more of that. Um, speaking of, uh, is the, is there any other game? I, I think Kentucky Louisville is going to be pretty good. I don't think Tennessee Vanderbilt's interesting. I, maybe Auburn could give Alabama a run. I, I don't know what you, outside of. It's a bad week. There's nothing that really lives up to what this week is supposed to be, except for the Egg Bowl. I mean, there's five or six games of of sort of with the big Titanic implication feeling, and and the Egg Bowl is not one of them. It's just more of a diversionary thing, but it will be great quality football, like just because of matchups and stuff like that. Um, I mean, yeah, South this, Carolina, Clemson is eh. Oh God, Georgia no, Tech is terrible. Eh. Texas A and M, LSU is good. That's good. I yeah maybe Could be. But, but also they might just mash them um tell us this, what it's like tell us what it's like to be to cover an egg bowl and what that means st- so state being a one point favorite right now feels so dead on and correct because i think the inconsistency of the old, I, I i i couldn't tell midseason if lane was doing gamesmanship stuff but i do think there's actual deficiencies in at, because of injuries inside the old miss offense and you see it week to week when all the receivers are healthy when when there's suddenly a missing lineman they are vastly different meanwhile there's actually been a slow and steady ascension of the mississippi state defense that's alarming now i kind of bought heavy into that based off of what happened at auburn the problem is auburn turned around and did it again so i don't know how much credit i'm giving them but i also know this these offenses match well against each other last year it was an amazing game to watch i don't think it'll be any different this year i think state will probably look better if you're just comparing egg bowl to egg bowl because of just that there is a certain amount of time required in that leech system and they're starting to peak in it. They're going to be really good next year. How many have you covered? Oh, been there for. Yeah. <sighs> As a journalist, I think it's five or four. I mean, we shot the end of the document. We shot the end of foul play there. Um, that was Mullins game. The um, Nick Fitzpatrick breaking his leg Mullins last game. I just, I just want to try to exp- like, as someone who doesn't have any tie to either school, but loves sort of this weekend and this weekend's what it means to schools. Like I think South Carolina Clemson, for example, has more vitriol than anyone outside of the rivalry truly realizes. Um, I, I just, I'm trying to paint the picture for somebody that's never been to Mississippi, doesn't know about this rivalry and why, you know, it's, it, why it's, it's kind such of, a big deal. It's kind of funny because I think it, it's a, it's a skosh calmer because there's a there's a quality at hand in the in the game, like in terms of the teams ah, being okay. ranked. Okay, it's not so much the crabs in the bucket analogy, as it has been in past years where it's so desperate and nasty. You don't yeah. have the I NCAA. You. you don't have the NCAA stuff. You don't have Mullen and Freeze turning each other into the NCAA. Like I get it that this is a good football game, but I hate. I'm not trying to break it to anybody. The the bat shitness is actually lower <laughs> just because also it. It genuinely helps that Kiffin and Leach are diplomatic with one another. It was something that never really got any attention outside of Mississippi, but um, Joe Moorhead and Matt Luke made a point of, of not perpetuating this insane cold war that had gone on with Mullen and freeze. So it is not as crazy and terrible. And I'm going to set your yard on fire as it has been. It's, but it's actually a better football game. So that's the trade-off. I, I would completely, it's funny that you brought up, I mean, obviously the South Carolina Clemson thing just never goes away. I think you're right. That is the 
that one, I feel like no matter what was going on, it would still be just as nasty because they hate each other so, so much. But you're right. <laughs> I would say that the batshit level of crazy oh, yeah. is down at Ole Miss, Mississippi State. Now, to pivot off of that, if Ole Miss is facing, like if they're a quarter or two quarters away from going to possibly the Sugar Bowl, New Year's Six Bowl, and then, they choke, it aw- and then they choke it away and states the reason, and state locks them down and knocks them out. Mm. Craziness, vitriol, insanity, shit just goes straight. Like it goes right back. Well, it's like so. There's potential for that. Well, he, Lane Kiffin has done it to to an entire fan base. You know, Tennessee was sober the entire year. They fell off the wagon for like five minutes because of Lane Kiffin's yeah. face. So it, it's it wouldn't be the first. There time is a potential for Mississippi State to do that to Kiffin. Right, right. It's and and it would be. Listen, strange things happen in the South late on Saturday nights. It's just what happens. Uh, or Friday nights, I guess I should say. Um, everybody on the show, thank you guys for hanging out. Have a great Thanksgiving, you and your families, all of you guys. Um, please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, Aaron, Fringe Element is brought to you by. Came on really quick. <laughs> yeah, it's brought to you by Jaspers. Just Jaspers. Yeah. Um, y'all. Steven, would you like to take a stab at the Jaspers? Sponsor? Jaspers, there's nothing better in Nashville than free parking. There you have it. There you have that it. That felt like a cop out, but I'm going to let it Oh, go. it was. <laughs> Thank you guys Jasper's, all for hanging just out. just do it. Jasper's free parking, Next Evolution park Sports it. Bar. Great place to watch the game. I know you're going to have to get out about Friday afternoon, Saturday sometime from the in-laws, so go watch a game. Great specials, great parking, all that great stuff. Thank you guys for hanging out. Thank you guys for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe. For Stephen Godfrey, Aaron Dugan, my name's Braden Gall. This has been Fringe Element on the 440 Sports Network.